the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. When you came through those gates this morning, did you do so with thanksgiving in your heart? When you busted through those double doors and came out into the sanctuary, did you have a little praise for Jesus? You know, it says to come into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. We talked about that last week. How many of you were here last week and, and it made a difference in your life? You felt yourself being a little bit more thankful. Well, you're welcome. The Holy Spirit would say, you're welcome. And he's gotten more for you today. We're going to shift our default from the negative to the positive. We're going to be get, being able to see things through Jesus' eyes. You know, he sees the end from the beginning. He knows everything that's coming. And he knows that, that he always gets the victory. And if you'll stay with him, you have a certain victory. Jesus is the answer. Thanks be unto God, which gives us, makes us more than overcomers in him who loved us. So anyway, no more desert dwelling around here. Remember we talked about them, uh, Moses and the group that God brought out of Egypt, and they went into the, to the wilderness and they couldn't come out of the wilderness because they weren't ready to go into the promised land because they were murmuring and complaining. But we're not going to be desert dwellers. We're going to be promised land dwellers. We're going to live in all that God has for us. And it's a, a, a lot to do with our attitude. It's a lot to do with the way we see life and who Jesus is in our life. It's a lot to do with spending time with Jesus like I just got through praying. You get to know him, man. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? He agrees I'm something special. If I walk with him, I begin to agree with that. Isn't that right? You think Jesus has good plans for your life? So we need to walk with him. We need to talk with him more often. We need to be like that leper who, who, came, who got healed and came back and gave him thanks. Jesus was walking through town one day and ten lepers stood off afar. You know, they were quarantined. But they yelled at him, Lord, have mercy on us. And when you cry out to Jesus, he answers. And he looks over and he says, okay, you guys go show yourself to the priest. So they got up and took off walking. Now that took a, a step of faith right there, didn't it? Because he said, just go show yourself to the priest. I'm, well, I don't know why, but, but, but he, Jesus told me to, so I'm going. And sometimes we got to do that. we got to take a step of faith. If he says do it, do it. And so they took off, and about somewhere along the journey, they looked down, and the leprosy was gone. Can you imagine the joy in those ten when they looked down and this life-debilitating disease that they had been entrapped with was gone? I'm sure they're shouting. There was a lot of joy in the camp. And the rest of them, nine of them went on to talk to the priest, I guess. They, they had to... Get their business straight. You know, their business came first. Their stuff. But one of them said, whoa, wait a minute. Y'all go on. I'm going to catch up. I got to go back and tell Jesus, thank you. And he ran down. He fell at the feet of Jesus, and he worshiped him. And he said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He came back and gave thanks. And Jesus said, where are the other nine? 
Why only one understands the kind of attitude of gratitude that a, that a child of God should have? Why only one? He says, well, go on. Your faith has made you whole. See, the other nine got cleansed, but this guy got made whole. There's a big difference. There's a big difference in just being healed and being whole. And thankfulness will make you whole. Thankfulness is the key to make you whole as a person. Is, can I get an amen in here today? But I'm going to talk about something today along the lines of what if you don't get healed? What if you prayed for that promotion and you didn't get it? What if you prayed for that person at the hospital and they passed? Can you still be thankful when you don't get the answer you want? Can you still be thankful when tragedy happens in your life? And you look around and it's breaking people down. Can thanks and praise still be upon your lips? Turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Say, God is good. That needs to be on your lips every day. You remind yourself of who He is, and He'll remind you of who you are. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances. Say, all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Some time ago, I guess maybe 10, 15 years ago now, me and my brother were hunting, deer hunting and, uh, on public land somewhere. And As you know my story, I ain't killed a deer in 30 years. I'm the wor world's worst hunter, but I try hard. But anyway, me and him hunted all morning, didn't see anything, went back to the truck and got us a snack, you know, and uh, ate our little bologna sandwiches or whatever we had. And I said, let's go, let's try somewhere else. He goes, no, I think we're going to see what, no. And I said, I'm driving this truck, you know, I'm, I'm the big brother. And so we cranked up, we rode down the gravel road till I saw a little place. I said, let's pull over there. He said, that looks like a briar patch. I said, that's where the deer hang out. I know, because I, I killed a deer 30 years ago. <laughs> so I pulled over, and he ain't got no choice. Well, he gets out, and we put our, our deer stands on our back. You know, we got those climbing stands, and they're strapped to us, and we got our rifles, and we... We head into that briar patch, and sure enough, it was. I mean, just thorns just ripping at us, and we're doing this number here, trying to get through, and for the first 10 or 15 minutes, we hadn't gone 20 yards, to, and we're still trying to get into the edge of the forest, you know, and we finally break through the, the first briar patch, and he's over there, and smoke coming out of his, you know, and I, he looked like a ninja turtle with that big shell on his back, that big, and I said as much, and that didn't go over well. And he said, if we hadn't already come this far, I'd get back in the truck. <laughs> he, said, he said, I don't know how to get back. <laughs> Except go through that again. I said, just come on, follow me. I'm the leader around here. And so we took off walking, and it didn't get much better from there. I mean, it was just rough going. I had picked the world's worst patch of woods, man. And finally we got to this place that it was like a tree had fallen, and it was a big drop off at the same time. And we got to the precipice of it, and it's like, I don't know what happened. I was thinking to myself, he says, let's just go back to the truck. This is, and he started to walk back. 
and I don't know, something got upon me, you know, pride or something, and, and I stepped out on that broken tree. And I said, what, are you a sissy? Come on with me. I didn't know what I was going to do. <laughs> but I was already out on a limb, so to speak. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm thinking, and, and, and I look back, and I could see a look in Heath's eyes. He's like, he'd seen enough Americans' funniest videos to know that this was a setup to the $100,000 clip, you know. And I could see, I could almost read his mind thinking, did I trade this fancy rifle in for a video camera right now? You know. <laughs> and I have to agree with him. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I'm inching out there and I'm looking for a way down, you know, because it's way down. And I'm thinking, and pride got the best of me. I said, I don't know. Maybe if I break this, rotten limb off I'm on and it folds down then maybe I can walk down and then I'll show Heath who's who's boss around here so, so I began to jumping up and down on that limb trying to break it <laughs> and I broke it <laughs> has anybody ever seen that cartoon where the road runner runs off the cliff and his legs are still doing this number here and he ain't going <laughs> that's what happened to me the 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 limb fell out from underneath me. And I felt like I was suspended in air long enough to look down and see that the limb had fallen on another limb which had produced a stick, a sharp stick that was standing straight up. And it could be said that I stuck the landing. Boom! Oh! Like this. And I guess I was pretty well balanced because I stayed there for what seemed like a long two hours. <laughs> but I know in reality it was probably only two seconds, you see. But I was stuck there. And I remember what flashed through my mind. I was grateful. You're saying, no, you weren't grateful, Pastor. No way you was grateful for that situation. I was grateful for that little bone that under, under my undercarriage there that kept me from being a human shish kebab. I was thankful that I had balanced on that little one-inch bone there. And so as I did my ensuing plop forward, down the hill, my, my backpack going this way, my gun going this way, and I'm gabluka, gabluka, gabluka. The whole way down the hill, I'm shouting, Thank you, Jesus! 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 No lie. <laughs> now, in days past, there's a good chance that on the way down that hill, before I met Jesus now, I might have been cussing Heath. I might have been cussing that tree. I might have been cussing my rifle, my deer stand. I might have been cussing any inanimate object in the whole forest in the old days. But I was amazed that what came out of me in the midst of that tribulation was thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk to, to you about today. is how to cultivate a heart that can be thankful and can laugh your way through tough situations. That's the kind of heart that Jesus wants His people to have. Thankful in all circumstances. 
Now, it doesn't say thankful for all circumstances. But we can be thankful in all circumstances. It's God's way. So, I wrote down four things, or no, five things that I thought of that could help us cultivate a spirit of thanksgiving, even in the midst of our worst days, in, the, in our hard times. Number one, if you're writing them down, we need to trust our comforter. When things are just going so bad that you don't know where to turn, you get in your bed and you pull that comforter up over your head and you say, I'm not coming out. <laughs> That's supposed to be a joke. You didn't get it. Well, thanks for pointing that out. I, I could tell by the lack of laughter in here that you didn't get it. No. That is not the comforter I am talking about. Jesus said, I will send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit. And look, none of this happens without the Holy Spirit. Let's just be honest. We don't have joy in the first place. We don't have joy in the good times without the Holy Spirit. We don't have the power to do anything without the Holy Spirit. And so we must always ask God to fill us with His Spirit. Every day we have the decision whether we're going to walk in that old complaining man flesh, that old dead slave from Egypt, or we're going to walk in the new spirit that God has given us, the Holy Spirit, who taps into our spirit and makes us complete. So we've got to learn to trust in the Holy Spirit and never leave yourself at the mercy of your own flesh and your natural mind. Because we know what it defaults to. It defaults to the negative. It cusses the squirrels. And the groundhogs. and the, You know, he cusses everything on the tumble downhill. But not the Holy Spirit. He helps us to feel different, to talk different, to see different, to understand. He will give you the peace that you need to endure. That's number one. Trust in the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Number two, we need to remember the character of the God that we serve. What is God like? Well, some of you, maybe you, maybe you don't know God very well. And you're thinking, well, he's probably like my dad. And your dad was authoritative and, and loud and, or this or that, or he was quiet and didn't care about you, never came to your games or this or that. We all have dad experiences, okay? But what is our Father in heaven like? What is his character? I can tell you, 1 Chronicles 16, 34 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Not a shade of good, not almost good, not good sometimes. He is just good. He thinks about you. He thinks the best about you. He wants what's best for you. Everything he wants to do in your life is good. And you can trust that. It goes on to say, he is faithful. His faithful love endures forever. Forever and ever. God is good. And His love is there for you. Do you feel that? If you don't feel that, you, you still 
like Chad was talking this morning, he said, do you know my Jesus or do you just know about Jesus? See, if you, if you only know him from my preaching or you only know him from what, from what you've been told, you don't really know that he is good. And you don't really trust that when you are in your deepest, darkest hour, he will be there with you. He will be. You, you need to get to know Him because that will cultivate a heart of thankfulness in your difficult situations. Number one, trust in the Comforter. Number two, trust in His character. And number three, remember what God has done for you in the past. Oh, you know, you should have been dead by now. Bunch of times. You, he's done brought you through time and time again. And sometimes when you thought you didn't get the answer back then, you thought, well, God's left me out here and this it didn't work out the way I thought. In the long run, you look back and said, oh, I'm glad God didn't answer me that time. I would have really messed my life up. And you look back and you see a track history of everything that God did in your life was for your good despite the bad decisions you were making. He was still turning them to your good. Everything that the devil means for your harm, God wants to turn it to your good. And you look back at your past and it will testify to that. Some of you that don't know him, you need to think back. Has God been there for me? I think you will, you will remember. You may not have been paying attention at the time, but if you think back and you really evaluate he was there. He knew you in your mother's womb. He knit you together. He gave you your DNA and personality. And he has been with you. There's no, the Bible says in Psalms that there's no place that you can go to hide from his spirit. He always wants the best for you. And look back at your history. And I guarantee you, you know we're going to take communion today. What is that? It's just a remembering. God told us to remember. When we take, when we break that bread together, it is a symbol of how his body was broken for us. How he was wounded for our transgressions. How he took that crown of thorns and that, that whip on his back and how he had to carry our cross and how he was pierced. Hands and feet and his, and his heart punctured. He said, well, often as you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. When, you, when we take that, that bread today, remember his body was broken so that we could be made whole. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He sacrificed all. Every last drop of blood came out. Blood and water came out of his heart. That means a punctured heart. He said, often as you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. He sets times. He sets holidays. Feasts, celebrations for his Jewish people so that they will remember how he has been with them in the past. That the whole ten things he did to Pharaoh, that was for, our, for us to remember that God can deliver. And he will deliver. And it's his desire to deliver us out of the slavery of this world into the promised land. 
And in the wilderness, they wouldn't remember. They kept, they kept remembering, well, they kept remembering it as the good old days. Let's go back. At least we had something to eat in Egypt. Remembering removes the worry. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, don't worry about anything. He couldn't mean that. You know, I know some people that are professional worriers. I know some people really well that if you told them don't worry, they say it's my job to worry. <laughs> we'll argue with you. I'm a mama. It's my job to worry. Don't say amen. But God says don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And then you remember this from last week? Tell God what you need and then thank Him for all He's done. You remember that? That should have stayed with you because that's how we live a victorious life. We tell God what we need with faith in our heart, believing that He will provide. And then we thank Him for all He's done. The things He's done in the past, we're still thanking Him for because it's cultivating that heart of thankfulness. It's cultivating, it's working up a joy. It's working up the faith to go forward from here. So number four, believe His promises. He's wrote it down for you. He's tried to make it plain, black and white. Says, he even says the promises of God are yes and amen. They're for you. Latch on to them. Know the conditions. Walk in it and receive it. And be thankful. You know, we all like the promises that God will open the windows of heaven. God will do all these things. But there's certain promises in the Bible, man, we just wish they weren't there. Huh? When Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation, we're like, well, that ain't the kind of promise I want to hear. Or if they persecuted me, know that they'll persecute you. Or if they hated me, know that they'll hate you. Those aren't the kind of promises that we want to hear. And I believe one of the most Difficult promises to understand if you'll turn in your Bible to Mark 8. But potentially, the most life-changing scripture in the Bible is the one that's the most difficult for us to understand because our human natural minds don't grasp spiritual truths very well. In Mark 8.35, it says, and this is Jesus speaking, if you try to hang on to your life, how many of you are doing that? Well, I, I just now got my bills steady and I, and I got a steady job. I'm trying to hold on to it. My, my car's running good right now. And if it'll just do that, we're doing everything we can to hang on to control in our life. If, if you try to hang on your life, you will lose it. Well, that ain't a promise I want to hear. But if you will give up your life, for my sake, Jesus says, for my sake and for the sake of the good news, the gospel, the message that he's given us to, to proclaim, if you'll give up your life, 
for his sake and for the gospel's sake, you will save it. Now that's a promise that we just really have difficulty with because everything in America teaches us, you know, hold on to what you got and climb that ladder and get you more and then stuff it in a bank somewhere so you have it for a rainy day. And we're holding on, man. We're holding on. But we're supposed to climb this mountain, God says, with our hands wide open. We lift our hands and surrender to God's plan for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel. We're not supposed to be holding on to this life, this temporary, this breath that we live, this mist that we're a part of now on this side of eternity. We're wanting to set up, man, I, I'm, I'm putting a foundation. I'm building me a big house down here. But we're supposed to be sojourners in this land. We're just tent dwellers. We're passing through the shadow. We're not setting up camp in the valley of the shadow. And we're holding on. And God's wanting to lift you up. He's wanting to lift you up to a higher life. To your true life. The place he called you. But you're holding on. No, he's lifting you and you're holding on and trying to anchor yourself. And what's it doing? It's causing worry. It's causing stress. We feel like we got to be in charge. And it's too much pressure. You were never supposed to carry the weight of the world. You're supposed to cast your cares on Him. Now, I usually don't preach out of the message translation because it's a paraphrase. It's not a true translation. But sometimes I read the message translation to help me expound on what I saw in like the King James or the New Living or something that's more of a, a, a real translation. But I wanted to share with you what it says in the message in Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 37. I backed it up one. It says, calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Now often I hear people, even Christians say, that Jesus is my co-pilot. That, that implies that you're going your direction at your speed, that you're in control, and that you just want Jesus sitting there blessing your mess. Jesus, I'm, going, I'm, I'm steering my life. You just bless it. And how many of us pray like that? We've got our idea of what, our, what true life is. And we have no clue. But we want Jesus to bless that. And we get upset when he don't. It's for our own good that he don't. He's saying, let go of the wheel. Wasn't there a song? Jesus, take the wheel. He says, don't run from suffering. Embrace it. This Bible can be real. But didn't he embrace his cross? 
Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to saving yourself, your true self. See, you are here the moment, the moment you gave your heart to Jesus, you were bought with the blood of Jesus. The moment you gave your heart to Him, you have found your purpose. And it's in Christ. From that moment, you're, you're, we're called to two things down here. We're called to find Jesus and to do His will. To serve Jesus and to serve people. And, and in America, we find Jesus and we put Him in a, in a passenger seat. So we can continue to do our will with His blessing. And then, that's why Christians are so uptight. That's why you see a lot of Christians with no joy. Because it does, their life doesn't work. They're trying to put new wine in old wineskins. That's from God. What good would it do to get everything you want and to lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? In John 14, verse 1, Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. You trust in God, trust in me also. And that leads to the fifth thing that will help you be thankful in the difficult situations in your life. Simply trust in God's love. God is love. You trust in God, trust in Jesus, trust in His Holy Spirit. Just trust in love. Love will never let you down. And when we teach a message on hard times, sometimes some of us are on different scales. Some of us think, well, he's talking about, you know, I can't make the bills this month. And that's the hard times. And it is. But some of us are talking about, I lost a child. I lost my spouse. You know, there's different, different scales in different people about what is, constitutes a hard time, a difficult situation. But they're all important to God, you understand. There's nothing so small that God doesn't pay attention to it. And there's nothing so big that God can't take care of it for you. And when I say these things, some of you think, well, you don't know what I have been through. I, I mean, I understand if you can't pay the bills, you can still be thankful, but I have lost this. I have lost this person. I have, and there is a hole in me. There's a place that I can't get back. And I want you to understand, when I say be thankful, I am not saying toughen up. I am not saying pretend that you don't hurt. I am not saying don't cry. 
don't have a healthy grieving process. You understand that God made us mind, will, emotions, body, soul, spirit. We have emotions. And we have to take care of ourselves, body, soul, and spirit. Emotions are part of who we are. And God teaches us how to go through grieving processes and how to cry. These are just pressure releasers. It's okay, men, for you to cry. It doesn't mean that you're a sissy. We would much rather you cry than you blow up on somebody 20 minutes later. Deal with your emotions. That's what we're talking about. Cultivating a heart of thankfulness will help you in your deepest, darkest hours to deal with the emotions. Knowing these things that we have talked about. Knowing that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Knowing the character of God. Knowing what He has done in the past. Believing His promises and trusting in His love. These things will, will prepare you and sustain you through the hard times. And if you're not going through hard times now, you will. In this world, you shall have tribulation. So what I'm saying is prepare yourself. Stirring up thankfulness reminds us that we're never alone. That when we're in the fire, the Son of God is in there with us. When we're in that sinking boat, He's in there. In the tough times, thankfulness can, can be hard. It's like, I don't feel thankful. But what do you do? You thank Him anyway. A sacrifice of thanksgiving. Well, that doesn't sound right. I don't want to give God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. That's okay. He understands where you're at. He tells us to. In Psalms 50, 14, he says, Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. And it might be the sacrifice that he treasures the most because he knows what you're going through and he knows that your faith is rising to the point where you can give thanks in all things. In the midst of of your things. You're giving thanks. He must say, oh, oh my child. That is finding the true you. That is what we were called to be as Christians. It's an act of faith. Giving thanks in the hard times is showing, it's a barometer of your faith like we talked about last week. It reveals character in you. It reveals that God has done something in you. That you have, that you are filled with the Spirit of God. What was God doing in the wilderness? You know, He delivered them out and then they walked through the Red Sea and then they went into the wilderness. And three days in, they got to the pool of water and it was bitter and I guess God was up here, oh, dadgummit, I forgot, I brought two million people out here and I forgot to get them water. Three days later, they don't have any food. Oh man, I wasn't thinking. Do you think that's, that it surprised God that there wasn't water or food in the wilderness? Why didn't 
He'd just have water ready for them when they got there. Why didn't manna have already fallen and turned into Wonder Bread loaves for when they walked in to the wilderness? Because it was a test. And you're going to find that your whole life on this side is a test. A lot of it. When you're going through hard times that God allows, it's a test. It's a test of your faith. Because guess what? There's coming a day when you're going to face something that's not a test. There's coming a day when you're going to face a real enemy that's really going to try to keep you out of the promised land. He's going to have a real sword, real spear, real shields, whole bunch of demons with him. And he's going to be trying to take your life. He's going to be trying to take the life of your young one, to take the life of, of your loved one. And God is preparing a people to meet those challenges ahead. And if we murmur and complain in the test, we will never stand and have a testimony. God is calling you to find your real life. He is building you up. About to close. Last week I said that ungratefulness is the grease on a backslider's butt. Remember that? If ungratefulness is the grease on a backslider's butt, then thankfulness is the jet fuel propelling you higher than your enemies can ever reach. Jesus was thankful in tribulation. He is our example in all things. He was in the wilderness. He had thousands of people out there with nothing to eat one time, two times. They said, how are we going to feed all these people? They're starving to death. Jesus said, what do we got? They said, we got a little sack lunch this boy brought. What did Jesus say? Whoa, no, Jesus. I'm a, <laughs> no, he couldn't say Jesus. He was Jesus. <laughs> Father, what have you done to me here? <laughs> Just this little lunch thing. We got all these people. No, he took that lunch and he gave thanks to God. And it provided for the people. What did he do at Lazarus' tomb? He walks up and all the people are wailing and moaning and complaining. Jesus, if you'd have been here, it could have been different. If you'd, have done, if you'd only done your part, Jesus, you waited too long. And they were complaining. But it was just a test. And it was a test that broke Jesus' heart. It says Jesus wept. Why do you think he was weeping? Because Lazarus was dead? Or because of the doubt and unbelief in his people? And he said, I thank you, Father, that you hear me. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And it produced. Thankfulness produces. Then at the Last Supper, I mean, if anybody could have been down in the dumps, 
Jesus knew what he was about to face. Later on that night, when he allowed himself to, to feel the weight of what he was about to endure for your sakes, it says he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. But in, at the Last Supper, he showed him how to be thankful and how to remember, do this in remembrance of me. He was thankful for his disciples. He was thankful for the things he had. He washed their feet and he told them how to love one another. He gave thanks. They sang psalm before they went to the garden. And the Bible says that Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame because of the joy that was set before him. He looked past where he is now. He looked past to the day that you would give your heart to Jesus and you would discover the real you. He looked past the pain that he was going to endure to what that pain would produce. What that suffering on this side would produce in the eternity. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It was his thankfulness that created a heart of joy in him that allowed him to undergo the worst torment that any person has ever experienced on this earth. And if he can do it, if he can bear his cross, you can bear yours. The same way. Give thanks to God. The pressure to provide whether it's food in the wilderness, the pressure to produce, the pressure to persevere, it will break an unthankful person. Don't raise your hand, but there may be some people close to breaking in here today. The pressures of this life to provide and to produce and to persevere is about to break you. But these things will just simply reveal the character of a thankful person. And you'll see that real life that God intends for all of us to emerge in the life of a thankful person in the hard times. That old lump of coal under pressure becomes a diamond. Now we often celebrate Thanksgiving and we look back and we think that it was because of that first big harvest that the pilgrims had in 1621 when they got together with the Native Americans and they celebrated the big harvest that was the first Thanksgiving but I want you to know I read a story that 11 years earlier the original settlers there were 409 of them that came across and they endured such hardship such starvation, persecution from some of those natives, lack of food, disease, that in a short period of time, 409 settlers became 60. And they were emaciated and about to die. And instead of complaining their way to the grave, those 60 reached out to God and had a prayer meeting and called a prayer meeting and a fast. They were already fasting. They called a prayer meeting and they asked God to send them help 
though they knew not how he could possibly do it. And English ships showed up with provision and food, mysteriously, and saved their lives. And so what did they do? They held another prayer meeting and gave thanks to God. This is 11 years before the thanksgiving of the bountiful harvest. You see, I want you to know that this nation was founded in the hard times. When people gave thanks in the hard times, the first thanksgiving was in the hard times here in America. Anybody, any old fool can take that broad path and give thanks only when times are going good. But it is in the hard times that makes a nation, that makes a man, that makes a church. The ability to endure through a heart of thankfulness. And to trust God when you don't know how He's going to provide. It's called faith. Psalms 91, 14, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. Do you believe it? When they call on me, ask Him for what you want. Thank Him for what He's done. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. You're not alone. And I will rescue and I will honor them. And I will reward them with a long life and show them my salvation. Hallelujah. Anybody can look for a reason to complain. They're all around. That's the easy way. But in an enduring soldier of Jesus Christ ignites that jet fuel called thankfulness. And he soars above the cloud cover and he begins to reach up to the warmth of God's grace and light. He goes, he breaks through the cloud cover. He soars on wings as eagles. Says, you are the wind beneath my wings, Lord. They begin to give thanks to God. And your problems become, look so small down there when they once were so large in your life, in your sight. But now you're seeing from a different perspective. Seated with Christ in heavenly places and the devil's under my feet. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.